0: We have slowed down our study in the book of Acts to examine these uh, verses that are found in Acts 2.42-47. through We've seen that these Christians, as they come to the Lord, are immediately devoting themselves to these important things, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to prayers, and this morning we're going to be talking about their devotion to fellowship. Now, when we talk about fellowship, we don't all come to the same thinking when we use that word. And that's unfortunate. It's a word that's uh, probably not helpful anymore because of all the different ways the word fellowship has been used, understood and misunderstood. Usually, if I were to ask you, what do you think of fellowship? If I said that word, you'd probably say, well, it's eating together you know, or spending time together or watching TV together or something uh, along those lines. That's fellowship. you know is, uh usually the most common thought is that's eating together. That's that's what fellowship is. In fact, uh, you may have heard of fellowship halls and what happens in fellowship halls. Eating, you know, it's the donuts and drink place. And that's kind of what's been the problem is it's a word that has been used to to represent something very social when that's really not the idea of the word at all. Uh, And I think that's probably part of the problem is that sometimes we think of fellowship as food, drink, potlucks and barbecues. And even if you didn't know anything else about the scriptures, just think about what verse 42 is saying and see if that makes sense. The, apostles, the, 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 the Christians there, these 3,000, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the Lord's Supper. They devoted themselves to prayers. And they devoted themselves to food, potlucks, and barbecues. Uh, this doesn't fit. It's just not a right definition to think of fellowship in terms of just eating or social gathering that doesn't fit a context of what we see them devoting themselves to. And I told you last week, I'm all for devoting ourselves to eating together. I don't have any qualms with that, but that's not what this is talking about. And that's not the idea of fellowship. So it's important for us to consider what does the New Testament say about fellowship? How does it use this word? And I think you've seen it in other places, can help us get a better sense of what this word means and what these Christians are doing. For example, just think about this simple sentence the Apostle Paul made into the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 9, he told them, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, just knowing nothing about Greek or anything like that, would food or social gathering fit what that's saying right there, that you have been called into the fellowship of Christ. Uh, that doesn't match. You can't be talking about uh, a fellowship in terms of eating or having fun or socializing. Uh, so I think that's important for us to see is the way the word fellowship has been used. For a very long time in the religious world has taken us off course. And that's not the idea of what is going on when we speak of fellowship. The text that we're going to spend a couple of minutes looking at is First John 1. I'll have it on the screen, but if you want to turn there in your Bible, look at it as well. Because in First John 1, the word fellowship is used a number of times and seeing its use there can really help us get a sense of what does God mean when He talks about us having fellowship with Him and having fellowship with one another. And as I read this text, the the word fellowship will be highlighted on the screen, but I want you to think about as we read, well, what does that word signify? Since it's not about food and social and things like that, well, what would make the most sense of what is this talking about when it speaks of fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. 1 John one we'll begin in verse 1. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard. What we have seen with our own eyes and what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed and we have seen it and testified to it and declare to you the eternal life that was with the father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Well, I want you to see obviously in reading that is you cannot plug in the word food or plug in the word social gathering or potluck or any kind of thing like that as it describes a fellowship that we are able to have with God and with one another. In fact, you have John saying as an apostle, our fellowship is with God. And if you have fellowship with us, then you have fellowship with God. And there we have fellowship one with with another. And so this word is used a number of times And it's an important word that we are seeing. But when we think about it and we see this picture that's given to us, and this was part of what we've already talked about, what John then must be telling us, and I'm going to use a lot of words here to try to get to it. Fellowship is essentially a relationship, a sharing, a connection, a participation that we have with Christ. And that sharing, participation, connection, joining with Christ is what creates a bond with other Christians so that we are joined and sharing together in the work of the gospel. It's a shame that you sometimes have to have a really big paragraph and a long sentence to explain a concept. But that's what First John is describing when it describes fellowship. We have a relationship, a connection, a participation with Christ to such a degree, such a bond, that that's what creates the bond with each other so that we have relationship, we have participation, we have connection, and we have a sharing, not for food, for the work of the gospel. That's the picture of this vertical and horizontal... Fellowship that John is ultimately describing. And now as you come back to Acts chapter 2, what I'd like for you to see is as you see these Christians coming together and they are devoting themselves to the word of God, apostles teaching, to the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, devoting themselves to prayers, devoting to themselves to fellowship, that there is an outcome that is ultimately produced. Look at verse 44. It says in verse 44 of Acts 2, all who believed were together and had all things in common and they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Notice after describing these connections, describing this devotion that these Christians are having with one another, there are outcomes that flowed out of that one. We see that the disciples are having all things in common. They're sharing with one another. If somebody has need, they are giving to them. If they needed to, they were even selling property and possessions to care for the other Christians who were in need. And I want you just to stop and think about that for a minute. Because what that tells us is that the gospel then is not merely going to give us individual salvation, but also produces new relationship and a new family. It's not about I heard the gospel and I'm saved. Yay, me and too bad for everybody else. But that now translates into caring for other people and being connected to others and being so connected that it says here that they are sharing with one another and selling things for one another. Their concern is no longer for themselves. Their concern is for each other. That's the outcome of fellowship is that kind of connection, that kind of family, that kind of caring, that kind of looking to others rather than looking at themselves. In fact, when you go to verses 46 and 47, the picture continues. Every day they're going to the temple. Every day they're eating in homes together and praising God and and enjoying favor with the people. They're so connected together. They are so caring for one another as they are so joined together in this that they enjoy spending time together in all kinds of facets. And what I want you to see is that's the outcome of fellowship. The outcome of devoting to these things leads us to that kind of family connection. It brings us into the spiritual family. So to summarize it, I would put it like this. This spiritual connection, this spiritual fellowship that we have with Christ will cause us to have a spiritual connection, fellowship, participation with each other, which then creates the bonds of this new family that we have. That's the idea of fellowship. That's what's supposed to be happening. We are so connected to Christ that we connect to each other through Christ, which in those connections forms a bond, a family through which we are working together for the gospel. That's what fellowship is all about. That is what you see these first century Christians ultimately doing. Now, That says a lot to us. And I hope that if you think about the words of 42 through 47 in those verses, and you think about what's being said, that perhaps that is a little jarring. Look at what they're doing. Look at how devoted they are to these things. And look how devoted they are to each other. They are devoted to each other to such a degree that they're selling things for each other. I mean, it's not like these people have had a relationship for decades. What's their relationship? Christ. Because we are connected to Christ, that instantly is supposed to form a connection to each other. And it's supposed to be a strong bond, such a strong bond that it's like this new family. And that's what is always the New Testament is picturing that we are joined together as this family in Christ, members of one another or the body of Christ. Think about all the different pictures that are used in terms of the body to represent us. I have never seen a body, individual body, human being body with all of its individual members, all doing individual things, all disconnected, all by itself, all over the place. Be a frightening thing. Sounds like something for Halloween. That's not normal. A body is interconnected, depends on one another, works together, relies on each other. And that's the picture that's being given when we talk about fellowship. This is going to be a tough lesson. Let me start my toughness right here. If we are not intimately connected to Jesus... We will never be intimately connected to each other. Because it's only through our understanding of God's love and what He desires of us that we would ever stop acting as individuals and start acting as family that is stronger and more important than blood. It's just the reality. The way for a deepening of a connection of the people of God is not for us to throw a bunch of potlucks and eat a bunch of food, but to be so aware of the gospel and so intimately connected to Christ that we understand that that draws us to each other because we understand the gospel is not about us, but about everybody else and what we can do for them in the gospel and in the work of the Lord and if we don't have that connection to Christ then we will never get rid of selfish thinking and individualism we won't we'll just go hey you know I'm here you're here we're all doing our own thing and we'll be individual body pieces laying all over the place doing our own thing and never connected together That's why. Like, Christ uses the picture of he's the head. We're connected to him. And as we connect to him, that builds this connection with each other. Or John 15, Jesus is the vine. We're branches. You got to be connected to the vine to have any connection with one another. Fellowship begins with this connection, this fellowship, this participation with Christ I'll let you use some anecdotal experience of that you have a different connection to different people in this room and probably one of the primary distinctions of what makes those connections stronger or weaker or different is how much time you have spent with them in various Bible studies or worship gatherings. For those who are always at the Friday night studies, there's a special connection from the studies of studying the Word of God and connecting together. To those who are in the Wednesday night, connection. Sunday morning, connection. Sunday right now, connection. Sunday night, connection. It's the word of God. That's the connection. It's not, well, if we just go to more baseball games together and more football games together and we just ate more food together, that would, that would, we would be really connected. Not the way God wants. Not the way God wants. God wants that connection to be in the word of God. That spending of time together that we are connecting to Christ, which causes us to connect to each other to such a degree that now we're forming this link. And we become that family. And it becomes so strong that it becomes unbreakable to the point that you would do anything for that person. Think about all the people in this room that you would do anything for. How'd that come about? We all didn't know each other a long time ago. (laughs) We're all a bunch of strangers. 20 years ago, I wasn't here. So how'd we get there? Connecting through the word of God to each other, participating in the word of God together, growing together in the word. So let's talk about some fellowship problems then. What ultimately stops this? I think there are two big things that are the barriers to this kind of fellowship, this kind of family and joint participation that comes about. And I will gladly blame it on our culture. Our culture is driving this kind of thinking into us, and it's so easy for us to accept it. Number one, we just live in a time of mass distraction. And what I mean by that is you probably had a million other things you could have done this morning. And a million things you can do tonight. And a million things you can do Wednesday night and any other time during the day. We have so many distractions and so many responsibilities. Technology was supposed to free our time and save us. Now we can't even sit down and eat a meal without devices right there going. Distractions. And responsibilities. With all the technology, we do more and more and more. there was a day when you only could work when the sun was up. (laughs) Now you work all the time. The world's changed. And part of our culture has been all of these distractions that keep us away from fellowship. The other things that we end up doing, the other things we end up choosing, the other things that we sometimes want to do, the comforts, the entertainment, whatever it is. All kinds of distractions are in our lives, perhaps like never before, because they're all right at our fingertips. And easy to access. Not only would I say distractions, but our culture just dictates to us extreme individualism. You don't need anybody, you just need you. And we kind of think, well, we're a little more sanctified than that. We don't need anybody, we just need our own physical family. (laughs) It's, It's terrible what our culture tells us. Think about you worry about you, be concerned about you, however it impacts you, that's all that matters. That is that Western culture, extreme individualism. It is all about you and you are in need of no one. And I think it's important that we just understand that this is ultimately what is becoming the death of the local church is I don't need anybody but myself and I've got plenty of other stuff to do. That's our culture. You're important and you don't need anybody, and you've got tons of stuff to do, so get out of my way. You see that in our world today? That's why we're all driving all over each other in the world today. Nobody cares about anybody else anymore. We've all got things to do and places to be, and I'm too busy. And that's ultimately going to be the death of of the people of God and growing together because of the strong individualism and the shallow fellowship. I want us to think about what is happening in this paragraph of what these Christians are doing because please don't think as if, well, you know, they're just a bunch of lazy bums who just had nothing else to do and they're so excited that here they are in Jerusalem just going to stay there. Remember, these people have traveled from all over the Roman Empire. Remember chapter 2 what it said, we're hearing people in all these different languages from all over the empire here and they become Christians and they stay there. So it's not like they didn't have... Things going on and stuff to do and jobs to get back to. But rather they saw the necessity of connecting with each other. Because that's the essence of the gospel. We have to do a far better job at grasping and teaching. The gospel is not simply individual salvation. But the gospel creates family. Family. It creates connection. It creates joint participation. It creates desiring to work together for the good of the kingdom of God. That's what it's supposed to generate within us. And that's what you see them doing. They desired to do this every day. Are you struck by that line there? And it says... Day by day, every day, they're they're doing these things together. They didn't want to be by themselves. They didn't see their walk with God as merely individual. They don't become Christians in in, in verse uh, 38, and then we're told about them being added in verse 41, and then the next line says, and then they all just kind of did their own thing and didn't really care about each other anymore. That'd be the American 21st century way we would write that. We all became Christians and we all went home. (laughs) That's that individual mentality. That's the me thinking mentality, the distraction mentality. That's not what they did. They saw the necessity of connecting together because that's the essence of the gospel. Let me say something hard again. If we'd rather be alone and don't desire the people of God, then the gospel hasn't transformed us. It just hasn't. We haven't read it right. We're not seeing what the gospel is all about. If what we see is just simply a desire to be alone, I don't want to be around the people of God. And this is not coming from an extrovert. I am extreme introvert. If you don't know me, I'm very happy to hide in my corner and be all alone. Okay, I'm not Mr. Outgoing. I have to stretch myself every time we're here be far more comfortable pretending I'm doing something important and hide in the corner but that's not the gospel the gospel is caring about other people and getting involved in their lives and helping them walk with God and growing together and working together for the good of the kingdom and the gospel that's what it's all about if we would rather be alone We don't desire the people of God. We don't desire to be together. Just think of it like this. We're still thinking about ourselves then. At the end of the day, if you boil it down, we're just thinking about ourselves. What I want to do and all of my distractions and all of my schedule and all of my stuff rather than what we can do together. Let me make it a little bit harder. I told you we're going to be rough today. I think it's important that we consider something that has currently happened this year all the more that we need to be really aware of and understand is that it is not possible for us to be the people of God and all stay home and watch sermons or worship services online. That's not this. That's not what's happening here. There is not supposed to be this rugged individualism that says, well, we can just all be apart and we'll just all do our own thing and we'll all just have our own faith and we all have our own Bibles. And so ultimately, we don't need each other. The problem with online is it communicates the church is here for what I get out of it. Need a sermon? Turn it on. Need to hear some singing? Turn it on. It's a selfish point of view that I will just get what I need from God and from the church today. And friends, the church is about what you give to others as you connect to Christ. That's what the church is. The church is about what you will give to other people through your connection to Christ. Not, what do I need today? I need an encouraging sermon. Let me dial one up from somewhere around the country. That's not church. That's not the people of God. That's not family. That's not what God has designated. And we live in a time right now that if we are not careful, has strongly encouraged You can be a perfectly fine Christian in the walls of your home and never leave it. And that is contrary to the gospel. The gospel will not allow that. And we knew that. We preached and railed against online church for the longest time. You heard me rail about pajama church. And now here we are. And how easy it is to focus on individual What do I need? We talked about last week. The Lord's Supper is not something for home, but a participation together and fellowship is a joining together and working together for the gospel. I'll say it like this. If it doesn't kill us to miss gathering with other Christians, there's something wrong with our faith. If it doesn't kill us To miss gathering with one another. There's something wrong with our faith. There's something wrong with our connection to Christ. Something's missing. I hope those few times when we've had to cancel because of a hurricane. That's painful. I'm sitting there in my house going. This is awful. Stupid storm. (laughs) I don't want to do this. I want to be together. I want to connect together. I want to share the good news with each other. I want to build each other up. I want to grow together and have that family connection that God wants us to have. We should desire that at all costs. And if we don't desire it, there is something wrong. And I hope that the words of Acts 2, 46, jar us in this age of individualism, this age of distraction, this age of isolation and you read what they're doing and how much they're desiring to be together, that that would be something that really triggers in us. That's interesting. And do we have that same desire? And what we have to be careful about is the way to fix it is not donuts and potlucks. That's not the fix. That's what's been done. Okay, we'll do something really fun because then we'll all have fun together, but that's not sharing in the gospel. That's not the fellowship that's being described. When the apostle said, our fellowship was with Christ and you have fellowship with us, he wasn't talking about donuts. He's talking about being connected in the word of God. We come together, spend time in the word of God, And that makes an amazing link to each other. An amazing link. It creates connections that you can't draw any other way. And we're able to open the word of God, share our faith, share our problems, share our weaknesses, share our victories. To enjoy those spiritual connections. There's nothing like it. And that's what's supposed to exist as the people of God. That's what we are supposed to be. And our willingness then to sacrifice to be together should be of the utmost importance. Or I'll say it like this. We need to fight for fellowship. In this time of distraction and individualism, we need to fight for fellowship. Fight for the time to be together. Because it is so easy to retract, withdraw, stay back. And technology just comes in and goes, yeah, we'll just make it real easy for you. You just go ahead and stay home. And you don't connect. And you just get what you want out of it. And that's not the church. The church gives to others. I put that forward to the younger ones uh, a, a while back. That is something we always have to think about. If you're not going to be the one to give and you're not going to be the one to share, who will? Who will? What's this place going to be if nobody's willing to give, sacrifice, share, connect? Is this is only supposed to be me. It's only supposed to be Dan. What's the place going to be? That's why we can't turn this into McDonald's. You just come in here and, you know, punch up what you need today and drive off on your merry way and you're good to go. That's what church has been turned into in the religious world. Get what you need out of it. We'll offer whatever you want. Think about it like this. Don't you want to have another family? And maybe it'd be a family better than the family you already have. A lot of people come from messed up, broken families dealing through issues and problems. This can be the one safe place you can come Who have this bond together and have this connection together That we understand what we're going through, understand where we're coming from, and ultimately understand where we're going. In short, when we read about fellowship in the scriptures, don't think about food, don't think about fun, don't think about entertainment. That's not what was going on. Fellowship was a a connection to Christ. That as that built and grew stronger and stronger, it caused connection to other Christians for the sake of the gospel. And the more that we connect to Christ, the more we connect to one another, and the more we connect to one another, the more we'll see the outcome of fellowship as described in this paragraph. We'll become a family. We'll become a wonderful family. And I have high praise and A major amount of thanksgiving for this this congregation. For all the places that I've experienced in my life, this is certainly one of the easiest places to get connected. You can be as connected as you want to be here. You can be as involved. You can be family. You can be as close as you want to be. And the choice is yours how close you are, how connected you are. That's just totally in your court. And you can be so connected here. I love how open and honest and free it is here. It is a very safe place where we are all sinners and you can share your problems and share your issues and share your sins and nobody's going to punch you in the face and we're all going to give each other a hug soon and we'll all be fine. I mean, that's what it's supposed to be. That kind of connection. In fact, isn't this thing killing us with COVID? And I miss hugging you guys, and it's brutal. We can't get out of this soon enough. I tell you, you're going to be sorry when we get to get rid of all this. I'm hugging every one of you, so watch out. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. I've had to hold off for nine months so far. So this is crazy. It's because it's a great family here. We're supposed to be joined together in this. I want you to think the other side of the coin. Do you see why God gave withdrawing as such a powerful tool in the Scriptures? You see, if we don't have that kind of fellowship, then when you say to somebody, well, you can't belong here as part of the family, it's meaningless. It's only when we become so connected together in Christ and we have to go to someone and say, if you don't change your ways and repent, We're going to have to act that that would be devastating. If withdrawal is not devastating, then we haven't connected very well. Something's wrong with our faith. We haven't connected to Christ. We haven't then made that connection to one another. That's what God wants in the family is that kind of connection because what they are doing is they are seeking to give themselves to each other. I did a series on this quite a while back. I called it Don't go to church. Be the church. Because you don't go to church. You are the church. You are the people of God. And that's what they're doing. They are seeking to give themselves to each other, not considering, well, what can I get out of it today? What do I need? I'm doing pretty strong, so I won't bother. What can you give to someone else? How will you support them? How will you help them? How will you feed their faith? How will you help them grow? Let me end with this. We must fight in our culture against individualism and independence. And for me, and being introverted. If that's part of your list. 50% of you are, 50% of you are not. We have to fight against it. Fight against this individual idea. Fight against, I just get what I need. Fight against individual thinking. Fight against that independence. We are to be connected as the people of God. And the only way to get to what we read in verses 44 through 47 is doing what you see in verse 42, devoting ourselves to the word of God, devoting ourselves to the Lord's Supper, devoting ourselves to prayers, devoting ourselves to fellowship that we would join ourselves together and connect as the people of God through the word of God and through that you will create family here like you've never had before let's go to God in prayer our heavenly father we thank you so much for creating a body like this that we can be family That, Lord, you saw fit to, to take people from different walks of life and different backgrounds and different values and different ideas and different beliefs, different experiences, and throw them all together and to teach us that you are the bond and that nothing else matters. We thank you for your wisdom in that. And we thank you for giving us the family that we have here. Lord, we thank you for every single person in this room. That everyone here is important. Everyone here belongs as part of the body. And Lord, you're the reason for that. Thank you for blessing us with each other. Lord, forgive us for the times where we have been independent. Where we have acted like individuals and not desired to connect as your body. And Lord, we pray that you would give us the courage, give us the faith, and give us the strength to connect to each other as we connect through your word. Give us the strength to participate in your word together. Give us the heart and give us the desire to move out of our comfort levels and comfort zones. Help us to move out of our shells and to enjoy the family that you have given us. Lord, we pray that we would be encouragers to each other, helpers to each other, should give us the right words and the right abilities to say good things, to encourage each other in a way so that we can all be together in heaven at the end of it all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this fellowship. And we pray that you'd bless it that you would make us stronger and help us to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We're singing an invitation song now. And as we sing this song, I want you to consider your situation before Jesus. I mentioned all throughout the lesson, connection with Christ is where it starts. There's no way to get connected here without connection to Christ. It will just be empty. And you know that. Because then what do we do? We talk about the weather. Yeah, it's going to be cold tomorrow. Okay, you know, you can do that with anybody connection to christ is the difference connection to christ is the bond and it's your chance this morning to turn away from your sins to confess jesus to be the son of god who died for your sins be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins that starts your walk with him and then grow toward christ and as you get to know god and walk in that journey of faith and grow in him you'll grow together with us and we'll walk together with him faithfully can we help you in any way Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?